You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hi friends, Nadia here, and I am bubbling over with excitement and coffee um, because we're going to be talking about truly one of the most life-changing books I have ever read. I've only read it once, but I bought myself a new copy because I want to read it again and add even more annotations because I am that kind of book reading bitch. Anyways, so um, I don't know how much of you y'all know this, but I, in my day job, am the CEO of August, but I always like to take on like a few consulting clients because it helps just, you know, I think the ADHD in me likes having multiple different projects so that I can continue learning and challenging myself. And one of the reasons I also love doing consulting on the side is because I get to meet new creatives and new uh, entrepreneurs and be able to work with them and have more exposure to different areas of work. And I met a very, very special human through one of those projects named Tori, and she's going to be joining me today. And in our like Slack group uh, ice breaking situation where everybody was getting to know each other on this new team and she had just been hired on, one of the prompts was, what is your favorite book? And she wrote Pleasure Activism by Adrian Marie Brown. And my jaw was just like dropped, but also so excited because anytime anybody mentions this book, I get so excited to talk about it. I have so many questions because I think this book has been one of the texts that has been really life-changing for me in recognizing another way that I can fight like patriarchy and capitalism at a really deeply personal level through pleasure. And, you know, I think as a young kid, whenever I heard the word pleasure, I always immediately associated it with sex. And in many ways, sex has been something that had a lot of other attached stigmas and expectations and even trauma and judgment for me, right? Like I grew up in middle school or even seeing my sisters go through middle and high school being like slut shamed before you even had sex, right? And I think this idea of acknowledging that you enjoy pleasure or want pleasure and like that word and sex and sexually active, it holds a lot of inviting judgment from other people. And, you know, at the same time, I have a whole career talking about periods where my whole thing is like, let's rid ourselves of this societal shame and stigmas and embrace ourselves for our bodies and making ourselves feel good about our bodies. And 
I think one area that I'm working on in my own life in many of those aspects is around pleasure. So I first read this book, Pleasure Activism, uh, through the, in, in the pandemic. It's called Pleasure Activism, The Politics of Feeling Good. And if you are watching the video now, I'm like holding it with me. I've been carrying this around, so it's a little beat up already. And it's written and gathered by Adrienne Marie Brown. And it is just truly an incredible book that kind of talks about how one of the most liberating things as a woman, as a woman of color, as a queer woman, but also as a human living in systems of oppression with so many expectations and with so much, I think, lack of joy in many ways, how one of the biggest forms of resistance is finding that pleasure and joy. So Tori is a creative director, a writer. She runs all these incredible journaling workshops and um, also works on different projects around, you know, highlighting marginalized voices and empowering communities. So I'm really excited to be joined by her. I'm going to have her tell us a little bit about the work she's doing. And we're really going to dive into this book um, and just talk a little bit about what our takeaways are. If you have not read this book, I really, really encourage you to read this book. I think a dream uh, guest of mine on this podcast is definitely Adrienne Marie Brown. So hopefully we can send this to her and also invite her. But before we dive in, I kind of want to read just a few excerpts from the book that really stand out and create the foundation of what we're going to be talking about today. So first and foremost, what is pleasure activism? This is directly from the introduction of the book. And for many of you who maybe have not heard the term pleasure activism, I think it's a good place to start. So she writes, pleasure is a feeling of happy satisfaction and enjoyment. Activism consists of efforts to promote, impede, or direct social, political, economic, or environmental reform or st stasis with the desire to make improvements in society. Pleasure activism is the work we do to reclaim our whole, happy, and satisfiable selves from the impacts, delusions, and limitations of oppression and or supremacy. Pleasure activism asserts that we all need and deserve pleasure and that our social structures must reflect this. In this moment, we must prioritize the pleasure of those most impacted by oppression. And I definitely want to keep reading because it's just so beautifully written, but I also think is so... I don't know, it just makes me really excited because so much of my healing journey has been trying to coach myself in feeling like I am deserving of happiness and pleasure and rest. And that's like what the term pleasure activism, it just, this whole book gave me vocabulary to talk about like what I want to work on and what I want to strive towards in my own life. Um, flipping forward because I am. There's also a part of the book where she adapts a lot of the learnings from Audre Lorde in The Erotic as Power, where she talks about how, quote, there are many kinds of power used and unused, acknowledged or otherwise. The erotic is a resource within each of us that lies in deeply female and spiritual plane, firmly rooted in the power of our un unexpressed or unrecognized feeling. In order to perpetuate itself, every oppression must corrupt or distort those various sources of power within the culture of the oppressed that can provide energy for change. Unquote. And I wanted to read this part because it's something that I really want to talk to Tori about, which is like directly how is this idea of sexuality and pleasure inherently creating an opportunity for us as women to find that empowerment and fight oppression? And uh, you might recall a previous episode that I did with Stephanie Redlener, who is the founder of Lioness. It was like several episodes back in our Tigress lineup. And we talked about leading from the pussy. 
And it's something that she talks about, I think, very similar ideas around uses of the erotic and how erotic isn't just about sex and pleasure, but it's also about creativity and creative coming from like your gut feeling um, and, you know, your sexual aura or if that if that is how you might describe it. But I felt like pleasure activism in many ways is like a continue. This conversation is a continuation of what we've talked about before on the podcast with Stephanie and just like in the other episodes I've done around like trying to make myself orgasm and finding that pleasure. Um, and so I'm really excited to be diving into this book. I feel like there is so much that I can build around this book for many future episodes of Tigress. So anyways, with that, before this just becomes me reading the book, we're going to dive in and sit down with my friend Tori. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save money on your insurance? Of course you would. After all, who wouldn't love a great deal, right? And when it comes to great rates on insurance for all of the things in your life, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners, condo, or renters coverage. You could save even more with a special discount when you bundle your coverages. Plus, add the easy-to-use Geico mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And choosing to switch to Geico becomes an easy choice. Switch to and see all the ways you could save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent and get started seeing how much you could save. This show is part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. I think most of us agree that in a functioning democracy, the winner should be determined by the voters. Well, that almost didn't happen in 2020. Now, extremists are working to intimidate and replace nonpartisan election workers with quote-unquote yes-men who might reject election results. The only thing that will stop them is us. We partnered with the grassroots pro-democracy organization, Represent Us, to give you the tools you need to protect free and fair elections. Learn more and get involved. Visit represent.us pod to learn more. All right. Welcome, Tori. Hello, Nadia. I am so excited mm-hmm. to be talking with you. I even got myself a new copy of this book. Did you really? Yeah, because I was like, I need to annotate it more. And yeah. Anyways. Okay, I'm about- because I got my old copy in this ragged girl. No, so we dirty. love that for you. That means it's well read. It's <laughs> yeah. well read. Um, where? When did you read this book? I read this book last summer. So okay. summer 2021. I was I was meeting with a friend of mine who is also my editor at Cosmo, Patrice Peck. And we were at the park and we were chatting and she was like, I think you would really love this book, Pleasure Activism. And she gave me a little blurb about it. And I was like, OK, sounds good. And then I immediately went to the bookstore afterwards and picked it up. And what was like, what was your experience reading it? OK, so I, put, I picked it up and I was like, Patrice, girl, I was looking at the cover like Patrice, girl, what is this? <laughs> Because the cover is literally yes. like it's animals having sex. Yes, yeah. it's like mosquitoes having yeah, sex. Really. And I was like, "Patrice, girl, what is it?" <laughs> like you know. So I was jarred at first, and then I read the first um, like intro. And at the bottom of that intro, she gives you because throughout the book, Adrian gives you like um, homework assignments. Yeah. And that first homework assignment was to masturbate. And I was like, "Patrice, girl, what is this book?" <laughs> But I just fell in love with it immediately. And it it gave words to um, feelings and thoughts that I had for a, a long time, but couldn't articulate or make sense of. So. Yeah. No, I, I feel the same way. I was kind of talking in the intro about how I felt like it gave me vocabulary where, you know, 
I feel like a lot of my last few years of even being a recovering girl boss was like, what does it mean to fight capitalism? And like, how does that actually bring me any joy? Mm -hmm. And then to have this vocabulary, I think was so powerful. I'm curious, like what, what has, like, what is a role that pleasure has played in your life? Like before this book too? Oh, before this book. Okay. So whenever anyone asks me what brings me pleasure, I usually go straight to dance of like, Mm -hmm. Dance has always been a source of pleasure for me, um, but that was one that I was just, I recognized immediately. And I could say, even before this book, like, oh, dance gives me pleasure. And so I think when I started to read this book, I started to make connections between the things that give me pleasure that I didn't even realize, like, gave me pleasure. And there, there were things like building a shelf or like yeah. cleaning my room and how good that makes me feel. Because when we think of pleasure, we think like, oh, I have to be excited and thrilled in that moment. And I have to like feel over the moon. But no, I clean my room and I look around my room and I'm like, God, this feels good. Mm. And noticing those moments and paying ten- attention to those moments like was so important for me because it changed what I prioritized. Mm. how much of pleasure like was linked to sexual pleasure oh my gosh okay so last summer almost all of it girl <laughs> I got that first assignment from AJ Marie Brown and I was like say less I was masturbating like three times a week it was excessive I love that. it was excessive I was just like well AJ Marie Brown said that you know I could do this and so I was three times a week does not sound excessive to it, me. It was, okay because I'm not really you know I'm really kind of um <laughs> I'm not telling the truth girl it was a lot Okay. Yeah. And, but then I realized like, hmm, okay, is this excessive? Like, you mm. know, am I just like purely living in this place of pleasure? Which, you know, she talks about in the book as well. And I had to be like, okay, this is too much. Like, how do I find a happy medium? But a lot of my experience that summer was um, connected to sex in a very positive way. I started having you know, more confidence in who I was as a sexual being. Whereas before I was going into a lot of, um, you know, those experiences with like, I don't know, like, you know, I know that I feel pretty sometimes, but, you know, I don't know how much power I have in this space. I read this book and I was like, oh, I am the prize girl. I'm the prize, honey. And I can show up in this room like as a powerful sexual being. And that would dramatically change my experience and at the end of this thing I'm gonna feel good I'm gonna you know lay back and be like wow that was fun and um I enjoyed it and I don't feel any shame around it and I'm not like curled up in the ball like don't look at me don't touch me after this I'm just like wow wasn't that joy like enjoyable and I would look at my partner and be like thanks for having sex with me yeah because it was like a mutual um pleasure Yeah. I think one of the biggest takeaways that I got from the book too was like understanding that being a powerful sexual being did not mean having sex. And I think that's something that I honestly had never thought of before, Mm -hmm. which is whenever, because I also feel like I grew up thinking like, oh, being sexy or sexual was performative. Like Mm -hmm. it was for someone else, Mm -hmm. right? It was so other people thought you would be sexy. Mm -hmm. And actually I think a lot of that came from dance where like, I always knew that being that dancing was brought me a lot of joy but I also thought like doing heels dance and sexy dance which I love did you yes me too, me too. we have to do a heels class sometime Please. but to me I also felt it was like I wanted to look sexy I wanted the viewer to think that I looked sexy right it was a little bit of both mm-hmm. and I feel like for me whenever I heard like the power of being erotic or the erotic you know the erotic is power I was always like the erotic is sex. Like me showing up is, and saying I'm a sexual being is I want to have sex. And I always felt like that didn't 
always resonate with me because I'm 24. I've still never made myself orgasm. Mm -hmm. Still. Still? Still. Even after the book? Yeah, even after okay. the book. It's a busy mind, that, but it's yeah. the book has motivated me mm -hmm. to want to mm -hmm. keep working on it. Mm -hmm. But I think that for me, like this book was the first time where I was like, wait, being a sexual being and attached to my sexuality and feeling power in that is not about having sex all the time or even masturbating. It's about like feeling my body mm -hmm. and like at my core, I have this genitalia and this body and there is pleasure in that mm -hmm. and confidence in that. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious, like what was there something in the book that made you be like, like you put it down, you're like, okay. This is like an idea I've never thought of before. Um, yes. First, I'll say I had the like exact opposite experience with Heels Dance. I took Heels Dance classes and that absolutely taught me how to feel sexy in my body. Mm. And I wasn't able to translate that into experiences with other people. Like when I was in my room dancing alone, when I was in a dance class, like I just felt good and I felt powerful. And I would leave the studio and I would be walking down the street like, wow, I am like divine femininity. Love. And then I'd get in a room like like an in, in an intimate situation and all of that would disappear. And I'd be like, I'm not divine. Does this person even like me? Mm. So resonate with that. But in like a, a, a reverse. Yeah. Um, but as far as a part of the book that really stuck with me, um, I actually had no connection to it at all. But it was such a powerful piece. And it was the piece on sex work mm. and how... Um, sex workers are women who you know some are women who you know demand others to see the value in their body and how so many of us partner and we offer these services to our partner for free like you know mm -hmm. we think as women you know we're just supposed to cater to our partner and sex workers are some of the only people who are like no this is valuable and I demand that value to be acknowledged. And that was just like, I had never thought of that before. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, like these women are standing up and being like, you cannot do this with me for free. Like, yeah. pay me. And that was pretty impressive to me. Yeah, it got me thinking a lot. And I actually remember getting into like a little debate with my boyfriend mm -hmm. because like in this book it, it, on the sex work part, you know, it talks about like you kind of using your body for what you got. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe doing sex work isn't letting yourself be used by others because it is transactional in that way. Mm -hmm. And something that I really realized that like even I've leaned into like in my sexual power has been like using my body in my work. And I, what I mean by that is like, the majority of my income comes from modeling, being on social media, being someone who you can look at on social media. And even I remember when I would do like policy lobbying, mm -hmm. I would walk into a room and it was like, honestly, like a Republican congressman. And I'd be like, I need to look good and captivating. And I would get into these debates with my boyfriend being, and he'd be like, but that's devaluing yourself. That's devaluing yourself because you want them to acknowledge you and value you for your brain, not your body. And it was super interesting because I felt like I never had the vocabulary until, until I read this book where I would be like, but I value my body. And I know that unfortunately they might be behind the times that they value my body, but is there a way that I can use or like present myself in a way that is advantageous to me because I have that power in my body mm -hmm. and what is wrong with that? Yeah. And I think it also is connected to this conversation of who is allowed to have like participate in sex work and who mm -hmm. gets to celebrate sex work. So many of us use our bodies to 
work to sell sex. And whether that be you walking into a room in a tight skirt because you know people might take you more seriously there, or whether it be like Paris Hilton on a billboard with a cheeseburger, and yeah. not suddenly we all want to go to Carl's Jr. It's like, that is sex work. But nobody is, well, actually, some people are shaming my girl Paris. But, you know, it's it's like public. And we can mm-hmm. see it on a billboard and we can look at it and say, oh, okay, that's normal. But there are certain parts of sex work where people are like, well, that's not normal. And it is. And there's, there's my, I'm going to touch my, my boy, RuPaul. <laughs> I love my girl, RuPaul. Um, but RuPaul has this quote where they say, if you want to make more money, wear a suit. And it's because they're aware of like the way you show up in a space it influences how people interact with you. It influences how people see you, view you, like perceive you. So yeah, when you show up in your body and you're like, I know that femininity is powerful and I'm going to use that to my advantage, that's not devaluing yourself. That's you saying like, I know how to play this game here. I know how to move in the body that I'm in. Yeah. Not that there's a good and bad binary, but I am curious, like when you think of your utopia, like your feminist utopia, is that a thing, right? Like I know that people say like, oh, to make more money, like show up in more masculine ways, right? Talk louder, stand up, be bigger, mm-hmm. um, you know, wear a suit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that's an ideal, right? Like in an ideal world, like it wouldn't matter what you wore, right? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, in an ideal world, you're going to show up as yourself and what you feel most powerful in. I don't wear suits, you know, like that's not something I feel comfortable in. But I think like, you know, when I hear that wear a suit, it's like wear something that you feel powerful in. Wear Mm -hmm. something that when you show up in, you can be your full self. And that is what is going to take you to the next step. I'm not a very masculine person. I don't want to be a very masculine. I'm like, I love being feminine and I stand firm in that. I embrace like femininity. I show up in skirts and I like, you know, that's what femininity femininity Ooh, yeah it really is <laughs> that is what femininity feels like to me and that's how I feel powerful in it and so in my dream world in my utopia people are showing up as their full selves and whatever that looks like for them is going to differentiate depending on the person yeah you mentioned before like you know reading through the book and releasing some of the shame even I mean around masturbating around self-pleasure like when you were growing up right like what was the first time you masturbated and did was it something that you were kind of taught to feel like dirty on or like what was your what was that societal shame? Yeah. So it wasn't that um, in my household that I was taught to feel shame around these things. I think that I just had I didn't have like access to conversations um, that normalized those things. Mm. So it was less of like, you know, don't do that and more of like nobody is talking about this thing that I'm secretly doing. And the first time I actually masturbated, my God. (laughs) The first time I masturbated was to an episode of Sex and the City, actually. I know. uh, Who is she? I know. But, you know, at the time, I was like, this is so naughty. Like, you know? (laughs) And so that was the first time I masturbated. And I just felt gross afterwards Mm -hmm. I just was like I don't know what to do with this feeling because I actually orgasm rather young yeah and was like this is enjoy and then I had a moment of that excessive masturbating even when I was younger um where I was doing it over and over again and then I was like 
feeling gross afterwards. Mm. And that shift from then in this summer was like, I was doing it over and over again, being like, wow, look what I can do. Yeah. Like, this is, I feel so powerful now. Um, but yeah, it, growing up, it wasn't that I felt um, others were shaming me. It was just more that I didn't think people were talking, nobody talked about it. And there was always this like stigma that like girls didn't masturbate, girls didn't watch porn, girls didn't really care about sex. And I was like, well, I'm masturbating. And I'm watching like softcore porn on Sex in the City. So <laughs> like that is not true for me. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know? No, I think that I mean, it's also like even the silence, like the lack of conversation around it is like its own form of shaming because mm-hmm. then we're taught, oh, this is not allowed. This is something that makes me different from other people. Yeah, this that is it's some- unusual. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. unusual. And like my body's weird for doing this, mm-hmm. you know, Um I think another part of like I didn't orgasm even with a partner for a really long time because I also felt like is what I'm into wrong, right? Mm. Is having a kink different, right? And I think that's something that like I was kind of processing when reading this book was like having kinks is okay. And like we all have different interests and they're influenced by different things. It doesn't mean that they're wrong. And I feel like that is also because kinks aren't talked about Mm -hmm. or, you know, being into like displays of masculinity and femininity, like that attraction isn't talked about it's like you look at this book and you're like oh animals wait those animals be having sex like what (laughs) you know so I think I yeah I mean I think the book for me was I think is one that I want to read again Mm -hmm. because I think that it's it was a lot of just like having finally a place of having that conversation Mm -hmm. I'm curious about how like channeling and engaging more in pleasure how has that played a role in your work so I think it has always Well, maybe not always, but within the last couple of years, it has been a really important part of my work and I didn't even realize it. Mm. So um, a lot of my work is centered around like public displays of joy. So Mm. I do a lot of social media marketing. I post a lot of videos of me dancing online, um, a lot of like journal entries and these are all like they were all public displays of me being like, you know, life is hard but sometimes Mm -hmm. it's really like fun and sometimes it is really euphoric and like I want to share that and I didn't um really view that as activism or like see that as influential in any way before this book and when I read this book it just brought to my awareness how important it is for like narratives of like joy to be like present and in the public and celebrate it because so much of like the narratives that surround women black women especially are they're all centered in like suffering and pain and trauma and it's like look at how hard life is for us and we don't have moments where we can be like but these parts feel really good. And when we come together collectively and experience that joy together, that is really powerful. And you do journaling workshops now. Mm -hmm, Yeah. What does that look like? So I, God, journaling is my favorite hobby. And (laughs) I want to introduce it to anyone who will listen to me. And I bring people in. And a lot of times it is women. I've realized that... um, Women are, we have been like conditioned to be like vulnerable, to, yeah. to 
express openly. And when we get into a room um, that gives us the space to do so, is really transformative. And so as much as these workshops are like fun and joyful and we're laughing and we're like talking about life, there are still moments where we're crying and being like, damn, this shit is hard. But at the end of the day, like people still come up to me and say, thank you, like for this space. I had so much fun here. Meanwhile, we were like crying for 15 minutes, like, oh my God, girl. <laughs> oh my God, we are, I'm not gonna make it, you know? But then you realize, like, no, like sharing space, laughing with one another, like connecting with one another, sharing stories with one another is transformative. It is like one of the most joyful experiences I've ever had. So I bring all these people into a room. We talk about our feelings. We cry a little bit. We laugh a little bit. And we transform that into art. And then you're journaling through. The and we're journaling through the workshop. So usually I have, um, like, I give prompts. Yeah. And a lot of times I like to give people different prompts because it just spices things up a bit. And, like, you get this little window into someone's life. If I'm saying, hey, tell me a story about your ex-boyfriend or tell me a story about your best friend or write a thank you note to someone who won't ever see it. It's just a small pocket, like a window into their lives that tells you a lot about who they are and like what their experiences have been. So I love it. It's like my favorite. Oh my gosh. I love that. I feel like, I mean, it's, it's also pleasure, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have these you know, ways of release. Mm -hmm. I honestly think that there's a part uh, or in how, and I read it actually earlier in the intro, the excerpt on just how Adrian defines pleasure mm -hmm. as like mm -hmm. the pure joy. And like, I think about like what an orgasm is, right? It's mm -hmm. like a bottling up of all the emotions and then like that big release, yeah. which I like, you can find in so many different ways, whether that be in journaling, right? Mm -hmm. Coming together in a shared space, having this emotion and then being able to release it out together. Or like even doing yoga. Like I was in a hot yoga class earlier today and you're in this hot room and you have all this like stuff and then you do a cool breathe out, mm -hmm. right? And I think that finding that pleasure is so important. Uh, how often do you do these journal workshops? Where can people find them? And how do we attend? Yeah, so I do them about once a month. My next one is in LA. It's on the 12th. Um, I think that the guest list might be closed for that. Okay. But I do them once a month and I post them on my um, website. So okay. editorial.com. You can go click the link and register there. Oh my gosh, we'll make sure to include all of that here too. Can you share with our audience where they can find you on social? Yeah, so I'm on the view. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so you can find me um, on Instagram at editorial, my website, editorial.com. I should spell it out. So my name is Tori, spelled T-A-U-R-I. So editorial is spelled similarly. It's E-D-I-T-A-U-R-I-A-L.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.